0: Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoyed listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hello everyone, welcome and I'm so excited to talk today to Jamie Lauren who is a holistic menstrual coach and she works with women around menstrual cycle awareness so helping them understand how to live cyclically and fertility awareness which is really about natural birth control and I'm super excited because I've been nerding out about hormones for a while now and reading lots and lots about our hormones. They're so amazing. And the thing that blows my mind, the more that I learn about our endocrine system, which is really like this amazing super highway that connects our brain and our adrenals and our reproductive organs all together is how beautiful and finely tuned our body is, and all the different systems and how they work together. And just like one little shift can make big differences in other systems in our body. And it makes me wonder why, when uh, we we're going through school or when we we're younger, why we don't learn more about this? Because it seems such an integral part of healthy living. And I guess what got me really interested in it was when I read a book called Wild Power a few years back by Alexandra Pove and I realized how I was looking at it more from a women's empowerment perspective but I started to realize how when you follow this cyclical style of living and really connect with your body you really connect with your wild feminine and that's where a lot of empowerment comes from
1: so welcome Jamie it's so lovely
0: to talk to you
1: Thank you Kelly. I'm so happy to be here and talk to you about this today. It's my favorite thing to talk about ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. We're going to have a great chat. So Jamie, tell us a little bit about you and how, like how does a person become a holistic menstrual coach and what what has been your pathway to this and yeah, I'm just really curious about your story. So let's start there.
1: Great. So yeah, it's funny. I mean, if someone had told me 10 years ago that I'm going to be a holistic menstrual coach, I would have been like, what is that? And really? (laughs) And just laughed. Um, But now it all makes sense when I look back at the the things that unfolded throughout my time. So where to start? Um, Well, my career was in the business corporate world. I was working in a a global law firm as a business development consultant and a client relationship manager. I was doing that for about 10 years and that's what uh, took me over to Australia. And I was really, the, the longer I stayed in that role, I just realized how misaligned everything was for me and how it was really starting to impact my health. Yeah. And I just knew that there had to be something else but I had no idea what I was going to do. And for anyone that has made the leap out of the corporate world or is even thinking about doing it, it's terrifying. (laughs) Um, And the only thing that kept me strong during that time was yoga. Mm. So I was uh, every morning getting up and going down to my yoga studio and just connecting to myself every morning before I went into the office and, this is really yeah this was my number one coping self-soothing tool that i had so i basically thought well i'm just gonna leave and do my yoga teacher training mm-hmm. and see if i can make something of this and i did and i started uh, teaching full-time yoga in sydney and then the idea came to do a little bit of traveling so i started teaching whilst traveling I was in Sri Lanka and Bali and that's what then took me to Thailand where I currently am and whilst doing all of this it's obviously an unfolding of a personal journey when you dedicate so much time to a a bodily practice and and the yogic philosophy Um, and I started to feel very drawn to working with women and teaching very feminine-based classes. Mm. I read the book Yoni Shakti. Yeah. Yeah. That and, uh, Uma Dinsmore's. Uma Dinsmore's yeah. yeah. Yeah, amazing. And this opened up another dimension of teaching or of practising yoga and sharing this because there's much more acknowledgement of the feminine body and the, the feminine centres, the heart and the womb. Yeah. So also this island that I live on, Copenhagen. It's um, a very feminine frequency here. It's sitting on rose quartz, mm. so it's very love, love based, and very feminine. And this just continued to unravel that um, curiosity about our female bodies, and I was um, starting to run women circles and. Um, I was doing a lot of feminine embodiment practices like um, the jade egg practices and a lot of the Taoist um, philosophy. Meanwhile, I have a whole fertility um, (laughs) journey amongst that, Mm -hmm. which um, looks like being put on the pill at the age of 16, coming off at the age of 24, not having a cycle for nine months, Being misdiagnosed with polycystic ovaries and finding that out five years later that I didn't have it. Needing contraception again, having no idea what to do, being told that the best thing you can do if you don't really want hormones is go with the IUD. Yeah. And then discovering, oh my goodness, I have a device in my womb. Mm. (laughs) And when that really hit me to the depths because I was doing all of this womb work, I just there were days when I wanted to literally just pull it out myself, you know? So that took me down the path of understanding what is, what other options are there? And I came across this fertility awareness method, which is a science-based method, um, 99.6% effective. I was very skeptical, had to go through uh, learning the education first and then starting to apply it. And how, yeah, that whole process gave me faith and, um, yeah, that's kind of what then took me to feeling so connected to my womb and my body because I was aware of what was happening on a daily basis mm. um, and feeling pretty frustrated that we weren't taught this at such a young age, that we can manage our own fertility without having to use synthetic hormones or devices. This just blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So... Then I discovered wild power, like you did. And this book then was like the everything clicked into place. And I knew that this is what I'm supposed to share and teach with in the world. It was like all the signs were coming at me. Yeah, okay. And living in alignment with my cycle has changed every aspect of my life. Every aspect. From relaxing my nervous system, from putting me into a harmonized state from a health and well-being, much more in connection to my needs, my boundaries, my communication with others increased tenfold because I now know what I need and what I don't need. And I'm able to communicate that, which just supports the relationships around me. Mm. My creativity flourished my access to pleasure flourished my connection to nature deepened the way i manage my business is now in alignment with my cycle yeah. which means that i'm utilizing those special powers or those gifts that we have according to each phase yeah yeah i could uh, go on and on i just I, I just adore this work i adore this very simple principle of coming back to my internal rhythm my the way that I am created to live in alignment with the nature the 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 natural way it just yeah it feels like very close to truth
0: Mm, that really resonates with me it's very that's beautiful Mm. yeah beautiful
1: Mm. so what do you
0: do as a holistic menstrual coach? what What's the work that you do?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. So it, it I I giggle because I have this um this offer this comment often from women like what is there to know about my menstrual cycle like why, why, what what do I even need to know I I bleed and I got moody before I bleed that's it right um. There's so much that we can, there's so much information within our cycles. So um, I help women first. There's a few things that I have, a few uh, ways in that I support women, depending on what their needs are, obviously. But um, there's more like the science side, which is like the fertility awareness side. So I help women understand how to read their bodies on a daily basis. So they understand when they're in their fertile window or not, so that they can enjoy uh, safe protection, safe lovemaking to avoid pregnancy, or they can use this method for conscious conception. Mm -hmm. So this is one, one of the things that I love to share with women, and I talk about that more from like a scientific point of view, so it's the anatomy, the biology, and how to read the physical science the body's giving. And then I support women on the psychosomatic Uh, or the psycho-spiritual side. It's like understanding how these hormones are impacting a woman on a physical, a mental, an emotional, and a spiritual view. Yeah. And how to start uh, acknowledging this rhythm and these hormones and how they're influencing her. And how to give herself the permission to feel the way that she does, this is a really huge thing, like the permission slip. When we understand the why, there are so many ahas when, yeah. we under, when we learn what the hormones are doing and how they're influencing us. And it just gives this sense of freedom and permission to just allow yourself to sink into that feeling mm. or that emotion or that experience, which is essentially so healing and um, freeing. Uh, And then on a practical level, like how to alter the diet, the exercise routine, your business, your social life, your sex life, everything according to where a woman is in her cycle. Mm. Do you think that
0: um, I have this sense, and and I, I might be completely off base here, but perhaps women lived more in tune with their cycles, you know, hundreds of years ago, and then through the advent of modern technology, lighting, you know, we were very connected to the moon is my hypothesis. And, uh, natu- you know, the lighting came in and then just the whole medical model, we've become so disconnected. And and also I think, um, you know, the Industrial Revolution wasn't great for us in so many ways, but particularly around the advent of modern medicine and that, you know, these emotions these changes and how, if it were were perceived to be negative. Mm. Um, I mean, the
1: thing that comes up, I mean, there are two two things that I I have visions of that I wish to talk to. So um, if I remember them both, the first is that, yes, in the hundreds of years ago, um, in the tribal days there's like there's the moon lodges that like the native americans the red tents the vision quests mm-hmm. women would go to a certain place to bleed
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and um relax nourish themselves do nothing but meditate and be for that time of bleeding and they would be cared for by the elders or the youth and they would receive um messages and visions for the tribe of where they need to go, what they need to do. For, so this is this was a, a rhythm that they were already following, like you say, and there were no doubt under the moon and living in alignment with that and the energy. Mm. Um, and I love to, to, to remember this because it really um, expresses the... The sacredness of bleeding, which has nowadays has been seen as seen as something shameful, something not to be spoken about, something that's dirty. And a what the, hmm?
0: a hindrance.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um so yes. And then the other thing that comes to mind is I know very few women that have avoided birth control, some kind of synthetic okay. hormonal birth control. Right, and it definitely had a place. It's definitely had like everything—a good and a and a a positive and a negative. So it's definitely had its positives. I'm I'm not going to talk down on it. Yeah. But what that does do is shut down the cycle. It shuts down the hormones. Right. So there is no cyclical rhythm anymore. So naturally, what that does is puts us in alignment with the same hormonal system as a as a man. Yeah. And then there's the we as women can be as good as a man we can do everything mm. this patriarchal society that we've been living in where we all tend to assess our success based on what we're achieving what we're doing what we're outputting yeah we're forgetting to be mm. human beings we're forgetting mm. to just be we're just doing all the time and that's exhausting and that's why there is chronic stress and fatigue and burnout yeah yeah because we can't we cannot sustain that
0: well I think men can't sustain it either but we definitely cannot sustain it and um I was I was actually thinking at lunchtime I was I don't know what this came into my mind and I was thinking about the work culture that a lot of us have been involved in and I was talking to my husband when we're out for lunch together and I said to him it's like this giant pac-man it's like eating cocaine or something and it's just like more, 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 more. Yeah. And it's just really burning people out and i'm yeah just you know i guess in some ways last year was good in some respects because people got a bit of a break from mm-hmm. sort of the crazy that the pace of life but also i mean the, the flip side of that is dealing with the separation from family and friends and being able to do a whole lot of stuff. So that's the underbelly, like you say, Mm -hmm. there is one. But, yeah, I I feel like a lot of women have been viewed as little men in Mm. their workplaces. So it makes a lot of sense to me when you said that, um, well, actually, when you turn off the hormones, this is we are judged as men. It makes so much sense.
1: Yeah, and it also makes sense in, like, most, almost, most diets and exercise um, routines that are perhaps suggested to us as something that will be good for whatever they've all been studied on men because it's Mm -hmm. much easier we're complicated to do those studies on and that takes more time and more money Mm -hmm. so as women we're trying these diets like intermittent fastings or the Atkins or this or that and it's not sustainable, mm. nor is it supportive for our hormones, but it's not sustainable. We think, like, if we're going through the phases, there's times when our body is asking for different nutrients and it's asking for different um, volume of calories because the hormones are changing the systems in our body, like mm. every system in our body from our metabolism to our nervous system to our digestive rate to our. Um, brain function so yeah it's it's daft to try and do the same exercise routine or morning uh, practice or anything the same every day yeah that's why we end up giving ourselves such a hard rap, you know like why can't I stick to anything I'm not disciplined enough I'm not whatever whatever and we're just not meant to be that way
0: yeah that's a good thing that is such a good point And I do think women are really, really hard on themselves, having to, you know, be good at everything, whether it's, you know, your work and or mothering and just being on all the time. And, yeah, it's super unsustainable. Hey, would it be worth just for people who are listening that might not understand, just at a very high level, do you want to take them through each week of the cycle and just back to that comment on, you know, how everything's changing and just give them a sort of a high-level... Of what's going on at each week in the cycle?
1: Yeah, we'd love to. Um, so, I'm going to bring in the seasonal framework as I talk about yeah. this because it makes it really relatable. So, um, for those that don't know, the seasonal framework is uh, what Alexandra Pope talks about in her Wild Power book. Um, so, we start with the event of bleeding. So this is when a woman is menstruating and that's known as her inner winter. Her hormones alone, her awareness, I talk about our awareness as in inwards or outwards. Mm-hmm. So our awareness is very inwards during this time. We're very aware of our, uh, our feelings, our emotions. Uh, we're more sensitive to our surroundings and our body is really calling for deep rest, nourishment and solitude. And this is why if a woman has to go to work and do a full day of normal heavy-based work, that can be really intense and mm. very challenging and probably reaching for cups of coffee and uh, maybe experiencing the pain in um, in her womb. Mm. It's common that pain comes literally because we're trying to just continue as if nothing is happening. Mm. Um, so... Um, I would love to maybe come back on to that with some practical advice around how a woman can deal with that, because I know that we do have to work sometimes, can't just cancel everything, or do our duties, whatever that is. Um, And at this time, the body is at its coolest, so it wants nourishing warm foods, warm water, warm teas, avoiding caffeine is supportive for the body. Uh, then there's uh, this coming out of our internal uh, cave we might call it or moon lodge and uh, it moving into spring which is our pre-ovulatory phase Mm -hmm. and spring brings this sense of innocence and playfulness Mm -hmm. it's um, there's like a curiosity and a natural underlying curiosity as we We've kind of shed during our bleeding time, we've released, and now we're feeling a bit lighter and our optimism starts to increase and our awareness is moving outwards. Um, and our appetite is, because this is an oestrogen dominant phase, our appetite tends to be uh, less than uh, other times in the cycle. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's a good time to get the heart rate going, stop moving the body and interestingly the brain is optimized here for learning it's the best time for learning a new something or starting a new habit
0: is that because it's estrogen dominant like is that
1: yeah yeah so um, the estrogen basically changes the way that our brain is functioning so it's actually I think I have would have to double check this, but I think this is when the hem, uh, the both hemispheres of the brain are most balanced,
0: right? That makes sense to me, particularly around perimenopause. Because a lot of women experience there's cognitive um, changes that go on in that transition, but when your estrogen they start to p- experience brain fog often when the estrogen goes lower. So, yeah, that definitely makes sense,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, great time to, to start a new habit or to try and learn something new. Mm-hmm. So whenever I start with my clients on the fertility awareness, I try to get them in their spring because it's, uh, yeah, when they're really able to absorb information. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so then we move into our ovulatory phase, which is our summer phase. Mm-hmm. And at this point, our awareness is definitely most outwards. There is a natural desire to be more social, to be more out out around people. Um, They call it the mothering phase. We can be so, our awareness can be so outwards that sometimes we can lose track of ourself and our own needs and desires. So it's really important to stay connected to self at the same time of enjoying this phase this is my number one tip to always do your check-ins even if that isn't going to be like your usual hour practice or whatever but still making sure that there's a priority for checking in with self mm-hmm. there's a lot of hormonal changes during this phase are, um, estrogen is at its highest we have a, pe- a peak spike of lh we have a testosterone rising we have uh oxytocin rising and so we are feeling very optimistic very positive um and confident and obviously the body biologically is wanting to get pregnant so it's like throwing out all the all the hormones all the Mm -hmm. pheromones, and even your your face starts to become more even your skin slightly more blushed it's like really doing (laughs) what it can on the very subtle level to attract
0: amazing Uh,
1: yeah. And what that really means is like beyond just the, the sexual side of it and attracting a partner, even in the workplace, this is amazing because you're magnetic. So if you want to do a presentation to a client or if you want to, if you're holding a big meeting, like this is the time to do it because you're yeah. just people don't know why, but they are captured. you. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: guess, I mean, I remember when I was pregnant with one of my things, my first child and in my second trimester, you know, you've got all those hormones in there. People were like, oh my God, you look amazing. And I was like, mm. yeah, I feel amazing. But it makes sense because the hormones were like high, super high. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also just to stay uh, with the food and the exercise. So again, great time to, to exercise high intensity and um, the... Um, the, the food the, the estrogen is a natural uh, appetite suppressant so again you might just feel less hungry mm. so if you're ever going to skip a meal this is probably the time you accidentally do it and i don't recommend doing it for your hormones it's, mm. it's very supportive to eat regular meals mm. uh, but just go for something lighter if, if need be you know a juice or a smoothie or something mm. um and the brain is is supporting you with excellent communication skills. So again, it comes back to the reason why you want to be social and why you're magnetic. Because it's not just the um, it's not just the fact that you can communicate with words well, but there's a very uh, enhanced ability to uh, read the subtle body language uh, and. Yeah, this kind of thing. So it's more—it's the subtle aspect as well, higher levels of empathy and yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You really—I guess it's the um, the limbic brain and the primal brain. So the nervous system is probably highly activated through those increased hormone levels, and so picking up on all the nonverbal stuff.
1: Right, exactly. And then we're moving into autumn. So autumn is our pre-menstrual phase. Mm -hmm. I adore this phase. (laughs) I really do. And I really encourage um, women to pay a lot of attention to this phase, particularly because this is the most amazing um, supportive phase for women for the later date or for the date of moving into perimenopause and menopause. It's when we do this work here, every cycle, it's really setting us up for that, that time of perimenopause. Mm. So perimenopause is about, uh, sorry, autumn is about uh, the, the premenstrual phase. It's the hormones uh, are progesterone dominant now, oestrogen has left. And progesterone is more about slowing down. It's more about um, maintaining, bringing things back into balance. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really is asking the body to slow down. I mean, biologically thinking about it, that there was an attempt to make a child a baby. So the baby is potentially gonna be growing and it needs the nourishment and it needs the support and it needs the body to relax. So all of that yeah, can yeah. conserve the energy there. Yeah. So this is why we tend to feel a little more fatigued during this phase. Um, fatigued is the wrong word to use because we don't ever have to really feel fatigued. It's just, there's a lower level of energy. And if we're expecting to go like superwoman during this phase, that's more challenging. Yeah. Um, so awareness is starting to be drawn back in towards us, and this phase really is all about seeing very clearly whether we like it or not, what is in alignment with us and not.
0: Right. And so I guess that that lack of an alignment around a particular issue will promote emotions.
1: For sure.
0: To tell (laughs) you, just to, you know, to signal, you know, emotions. That's why I say to everyone, emotions are meant to be in motion and they're
1: sending you a message. Yeah, exactly. And it really, um, it frustrates me that this has, this phase is what, has given women a bit of a bad rap with PMS. Oh, she's pms because she's getting angry or frustrated or irritated by something. Right. Yeah. It's really disempowering that woman because the truth is she's in her truth right now. She's mm. seeing what does really frustrate her. But when she's in summer, she's high on estrogen and everything's yeah. shiny and glossy and okay.
0: Yeah. Because estrogen is the hormone of accommodation, right?
1: Right.
0: Which yeah. I can speak when you're a mother, you do need it, quite frankly right? You don't go crazy. So yeah, when it's lower, you know, the truth is revealed. And that's why just back to your point around perimenopause, there's that alignment with that perimenopausal stage, because your estrogen starts to decline when you hit 40. That's when it starts to go down. And, you know, as you pointed out, when you don't express those emotions that are showing you your truth, and you pack them in, Hide them, well, your body's got this incredible intelligence, doesn't it? And at some point in your life, it's like, "Ah, ah, ah,
1: I'm going to
0: deal with this. And that's what happens in perimenopause.
1: Exactly. So if we can do this work every single month Mm. during this phase, really take note of what is not in alignment with us right now. We start to release jobs that don't serve us, people that don't serve us, habits that don't serve us. So when we show up to perimenopause there's a lot less shit to deal with yeah yeah
0: yeah it's a it's like your little kind of feminine leadership program every month isn't it
1: totally (laughs) totally
0: shadow work really
1: exactly it's the best time to do the shadow work yeah
0: and so going back to the period week because you were going to come back and talk about some suggestions Mm. so do you want to go back to that now and
1: I do but there's one more thing I just want to say about the autumn if you don't mind just because I want to finish the loop off around the food and exercise Um, and because it's really important to know that this is a phase when our metabolism speeds up so naturally we become more hungry we burn up to 250 calories more wow right so when we're like I'm hungry and I'm like trying to stick to this diet or I shouldn't you know all these rules that we have like just again listening to that body intelligence and allowing um and from an exercise that's
0: why we get sugar cravings right I guess at that stage
1: yeah because our blood sugar levels are not balanced because we're not addressing our real needs well sometimes some women are but others yeah not so um yeah, and exercising starts to wind down, so less heart, high heart rate, less high intensity. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, going back to our moon time for the for the for the practical advice. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm really grateful that I had a personal experience on this because it I, it just anchors the need for me to always talk about it. So a personal story when I was working in the the corporate environment in my, my my last job and i went and saw an ayurvedic doctor and he said um i can't remember what it was for it was some health condition and he said right i want you to just rest for your first three days of your bleeding just stay in bed don't do anything mm. and i looked at him like he like what what do you mean <laughs> that is the most <laughs> impractical advice i'm a very busy woman <laughs> um and so it really helps me understand how this can be received um, by by those that are doing this very busy life. And um, my practical tips are, firstly, empower yourself as much as you can to know when you're going to bleed. There is actually a very easy way of finding out. If you know when you ovulate and you know what your, your second half, which is called your luteal phase, which only ever changes by a day either side, so basically mine for example is 12 days Mm -hmm. so when i track my ovulation and i know in 12 days i'm going to bleed it allows me to prepare for my bleeding time so i make sure that i have the littlest that i can can avoid in my diary um, or can the littlest i can do so um that would just mean you know um reducing your your uh, time with people. So if you have to go into a workplace, try to arrange those days around things that you can do just alone. So at least you don't have to um, put on anything, any mask, or you know any any particular behavior. Um, and then when we do have to do, there are times when you know maybe I have to give a big presentation or a, a, a new client call or something on that day okay how can I nourish myself around this duty Mm. because uh, so you know if I have a three hour presentation I have to do or in the morning I'm going to make sure that I really have a very slow dedicated time for me moving slowly and after I'm going to make sure that I have scheduled like time for me again to just have a hot bath or a walk out on the beach or in nature just for half an hour whatever it is and then if all of that still sounds like ridiculous and unpractical then I ask you to look at how you can create just one percent the one percent rule yeah how Mm -hmm. you can create one percent more relaxation in your day how can you create one percent more space in your day and that 1% That's unraveling.
0: Yeah, and it's also, you know, small changes are easier, mm-hmm. I think, than making mm-hmm. big sweeping changes. It's easier um, on your nervous system too, I think, when you're making small changes. Like it feels, it likes to pace itself so it feels a bit more comfortable with smaller change.
1: I agree. I really agree. And I also have found that there's a lot of power in being it takes courage, but mm. to be like, next bleed, I'm going to take a whole day to myself. Mm. Even if that means I've got to call in sick, like mm. whatever, I'm going to do it. Mm. And the amount the from taking that day and then moving through your cycle with the awareness, it's like you see mm. such a difference yeah. that your body is now craving that. because of this craving it's like a desire and you want to make it happen and you start to look forward to that one day and that like nourishing time and yeah so there's definitely a a bit of both there
0: yeah it's so interesting that you bring this up so you know we have our our cycle every month but we have these seasons in our life as well yes and I put a post up just the other day like I've been in a bit of an inner winter for about two months like I've just been tired and Mm -hmm. I need to just slow right down. And so I have kept everything to the minimum. And I was talking to a friend about it and I said to her, the thing is I know now, you know, it's taken me years to learn it, when I do rest I come back so much stronger again. And the other thing that I would say, you know, a lot of women um, because I mostly do work with women sort of going through childbirth and through these midlife menopause transition, like big changes. And I always say to them, you know, they sort of talk about their libido and after they've had a baby, their libido has gone missing or, and so I always say to them, well, rest is part of your erotic practice. Mm. And even if you don't, you're not having a cycle because you're breastfeeding still like you can follow that cyclical life every month and, just do what perimenopausal and menopausal women do, you know, because when your your cycle can become a bit skew if as it's slowing down. Follow the moon, mm-hmm, right? Exactly. And sort of explain that. But the thing that I have learned is that actually your libido doesn't have to disappear when you're going through this if you follow this cyclical life, because you're giving mm-hmm. yourself this rest time and I feel like when we're push 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 all the time you know that's that stress is one of the first things to push it away
1: right so I mean, it, literally, you can't produce sex hormones if you're producing stress hormones correct cortisol <laughs> <laughs> it's that relationship one or the other
0: yeah yeah and so that's why pleasure is such an amazing practice whatever yeah. it is and sensuality totally. um so yeah so interesting hey what, what is your view on this right so I the more that I read um the more that I'm beginning to think we've got a bit of an epidemic of hormone issues in women of all ages from sort of puberty through to you know maybe 80s and when I look at the list of you know potential health issues I wrote a little list of all the different things I've read about you know from polycystic ovaries which you talked about endometriosis infertility fibroids acne irritable bowel um, early puberty early menopause a really challenging sort of perimenopause transition sleep problems anxiety depression weight gain hair loss and i'm sure there is more Mm. i would i'm curious as to your view on all of this and and you know taking a bit of a macro view what are your thoughts around what's going on
1: so my immediate response was the denial of the feminine that we have been um, that we've been living in. The, like what, how we started the conversation, you know, around this um, this deep need to try and be everything and um, and not acknowledging our femininity of this being and resting and and. Um, a yin time. We're just such a yang society, mm. um, and I really like. I I'm, I'm big into psychosomatics. I love the work yeah. of Louise Hay, and you know, if um, if I particularly with my clients that have polycystic ovaries or fibroids or endometriosis, etc it tends to be when we look at their lifestyle that it is it's a very masculine lifestyle they're living and Mm -hmm. as soon as they start to acknowledge and appreciate their blood which is a huge part of them being a woman Mm -hmm. they start to acknowledge their womb. they start to uh, acknowledge their need for rest and for being and for creativity um these symptoms start to go really for sure For sure, Mm. you know I've had a lot of women with amenorrhea. This is this is what is being um, it's just being in my life at the moment. You want to
0: just explain what that is, just in case people don't know.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So amenorrhea is when a woman misses her period, the event of bleeding, for more than three months. Mm -hmm. And I've had a handful of women that um, haven't bled for a year and a half to two years, Mm. and. I mean I had a record breaking record (laughs) last weekend I did this one day workshop with this woman and uh, she hadn't bled for a year and a half and three days later she bled. Wow. Um, Another woman who was doing my 10-week online course three weeks in she bled. Another woman doing my 10-week course four weeks in she bled. Like this is crazy but it's because they start to acknowledge their body and actually welcome that femininity mm. that that womanhood within her um so I, I really feel like that is a big part of what you're asking mm. and then for sure just like I think it all feeds into it but the stress like it would just it's just a stress life is just so fast-paced and so digital that we're just losing connection to nature
0: mm. Yeah, which is such an amazing source of pleasure, such a ground. I mean, we are, we are part of nature. Like women, we're cyclical beings. We are part of it. We're created. What did I say recently in one of my blogs? We're created in the image of nature. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: so, you know, we haven't been taught this, but our, our bleeding, our period is one of our vital signs, isn't it?
1: Ovulation is one of our fifth vital signs. Ovulation, okay. And so you're not wrong. You're not wrong because you can't bleed without ovulation. Like a true menstruation only occurs once ovulation has occurred. Yeah. So any other bleeding event is a a breakthrough bleed or just a drop in the hormones. Um, So, yes, it was amazing that I think it was about two years ago now that um, ovulation has been seen as a fifth vital sign. And for those that don't know what a vital sign is, it's when you go to the doctors and they're checking your heart rate and your weight that pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing. And I really hope that this starts to become a conversation in the surgeries. I know, and because no one ever asks that. When you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. not one of them says, you know, what's
0: going on with your period? Yeah. How is it? And, yeah, and and I think a lot of people have an experience where they go and they have these conversations because they're having symptoms or, you know, whatever. And it's almost like being a woman is the diagnosis
1: <laughs>
0: rather yeah. than, and, and then yeah just go on the pill. Yeah.
1: I'm
0: like No, yeah. Not the answer.
1: So for those that are listening that might not be aware of this. Um, and I, I have to I tread carefully because I, I don't mean to, to suggest that doctors don't know what they're doing. I really yeah. feel like there's just their training. They're, exactly. They were trained in a certain way and they, they just believe that I, I, I really believe that they believe it's yeah. true what they're saying, yeah. you know, but my point to be is that um, many women will go to the doctors because they have missing their cycles or there's something wrong. And they say, okay, we'll put you on the pill because that will regulate your cycle which is the most ridiculous thing because what it does is it shuts it down Mm. so there is no cycle so it cannot regulate the cycle Mm. Um, and yeah I meet many women that are on the pill for this reason and then what's happening is that underlying condition is not being addressed and then continues to get Worse. it pauses or it continues to get worse yeah and then the woman comes off the pill because she perhaps wants to try and get pregnant and yeah. instead of facing that she's facing the reality of dealing what was being masked for that whole time
0: yeah yeah amazing in my facebook group um probably about a month or so ago i did a post about i'm um, growing the color out of my hair and you know loving gray hair and getting older and blah blah blah, blah. anyway one of um one of the people in my group uh said you know i was like what do you think about you know how do we feel about aging because i i personally believe uh and this is just anecdotal through you know years of coaching people that you know culture causes behavior and behavior causes culture we have this circular relationship so that's pretty well known but we have such an anti-aging culture that it is implicitly i'm not sure what the right word is here but it's discouraging women from exploring their body at that perimenstrual phase to the extent that a lot of them are sort of in hard denial about what's going on. Anyway, so this was sort of the gist of the conversation. And one of the people in my group said, I feel fabulous. I'm loving being 50, blah, 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 blah. She also has, this person has a maybe 16 or 17 year old daughter. And she said, but what I wish I knew the answer to was how do I help my daughter feel more comfortable in her body and with who she is. And my strong sense is the work that you do is a very big part of that. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I've got goosebumps all over my body right now. (laughs) Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, what I share with women, this work, it's not, just about understanding the cycle, it's and working with this rhythm. It is a self-care practice. Yeah. It is a self-loving practice. Um, it is prioritizing ourselves. Yeah. Um, and for sure, um, for sure, I wish I'd known this at the age of 16. Because it's, it's um, it's like I say, it's not just about this. What I also help women understand is like how to adapt their self-care according to their practices, according to their seasons. Yeah. Uh, okay. And weaving in all the feminine embodiment practices, you know, like a breast massage, how nourishing that is, how yeah. opening Beautiful. for our heart, not to mention that when we're doing that, it also regulates our hormones. Yes. Right? Because our nipples are a part of the endocrine system. Yeah um yeah so wow I would yeah I think my my future does uh my future self does go into supporting the the younger women for sure yeah yeah
0: yeah I think it's such a you know I mean there are a few levers there around this and and but I think this is such a big one and it's so important and you know I think when you're a at whatever stage you're at in your life when you're doing this deep work on yourself you're setting yourself up for breaking habits and patterns being passed down to future generations
1: mm.
0: and so you know i think it would be really lovely i have if i had daughters i'd probably do this but you know if i if you if a mother does this work with her daughter even then you're in completely different phases of your life and maybe you are postmenopausal but that's okay because You're still a cyclical woman
1: Mm. and
0: even if you're bleeding, stop. You know, there's so, so many benefits to learning to live this way. Mm. Um, And I think it would be such a beautiful thing to be able to have conversations with your daughters about. But also, I mean, I try and talk to my sons. They're still younger teenagers, but helping them understand, you know, well, why are the girls at school really getting cranky with me when I say this stupid thing and what does it actually mean when, you know, what does that mean the week before a period? Like what's going on? Just to help them understand at a high level. Of course, it's embarrassing talking to your mother about it, but um, they tell me. But, yeah, I think it's so so important that we help all of them understand this.
1: Yeah, and, you know, there's something else that just come up that um, if you've heard of the term menarche, which is basically our first bleed, yes and our first bleed really sets the tone for our relationship with our blood and our relationship for the rest of our life even you know so um so if anyone listening has a daughter (laughs) then there are definitely um beautiful things that you can do to just create a period positive, uh, and like a celebration out of this event, out of this, uh, and, and I, I also help women go back to that moment. Now, no matter what age they are, go back to that moment of remembering their first bleed yeah. and reliving it and rewriting that story to something more positive if need be, yeah, which most of the time is. And in some cases, women don't even remember it, um, for whatever reason. Um, so helping them create a positive story.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And, and I know from my own experience, but everyone that I work with, that you are 100% right and that experience is then replicated in childbirth and then when they go through their perimenopause transition. So when they're doing that reflective work, there are often, you see, patterns of behaviour uh, around what happened at each of those stages and you can see the th- you know, there's similarities there. It's really quite strong so you're 100 spot on there I think it's super super important and like you say you can rewrite your story around that
1: really? like you can around
0: your sexuality and you know there's so many things that we can do
1: yeah
0: I could talk to you all day um <laughs> I'm gonna finish it up because we'll just keep talking so you have some amazing programs that you offer how do people find you
1: yeah, cool. So um, firstly, I have a, a free Facebook group called Cyclical Living for Women. And there's maybe somewhere we can pop the links. Mm-hmm. This is uh, my my space where I simply put out education like four or five times a week. So you can learn here. And then my, my programs, I have a 10-week online course called Menstrual Magic. And that's about the inner seasons. Yeah. Um, and connecting to our femininity, embracing ourselves and self-love. Um, I think that will rerun next in October. And then at the moment with Fertility Awareness, I'm just doing one-on-one coaching, which is okay. four months. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So and I'll uh, put my website link. Yeah,
0: I'll put it there. in the, the show notes. And then
1: what's your Instagram page called again? Uh, menstrual magic underscore. MenstrualMagic. And then do you have a website? Yes. Uh, www.jamieloren.coach.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. This has been so interesting, and yeah, honestly, I could just sit here and ask you five thousand questions. I've got a massive list of stuff, but I didn't go too deep. But I, yeah, I'm such. I just feel like um, every program I run, I do a unit on this, but it's more because I deal more around the midlife stage. It's you know, it's different. Same, same, but different, as they would say in Thailand and Bali, but. Um, it's so important like just so important and and you know like your endocrine system is connected to every part of your body like your hormones it's not just a physical interaction it's a psychological and emotional a cultural a, you know societal like it's there's multiple lenses and it affects our lives through all those different systemic ways in all the environments that we interact in. It's just so incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Mm. Beautiful
1: summary. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I
0: really enjoyed this conversation. Honestly, (laughs) we'll have to get you back again to talk about something else. All right. right.